When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, when you're listening to this. And welcome to another EPL Index special, ladies and gentlemen. It is another episode of Fans Feelings. Rival fans think they know, rival fans see and hear bits from the various pundits but it's only fans of the club that have that true feeling, that true insight. And that's what we're going to tap into today. And to be honest, there's no club in the headlines more than this one, ladies and gents, Manchester United at the moment. Things off the pitch, things on the pitch, the headlines in the front and back pages we are going to talk about. And I'm delighted to say, joining me, Dave Davis, your normal host, is Rich from Rich Red Voices. Rich, how are we? I'm not too bad, are you? Yeah, not not too bad at all, but we're really going to get into this, Rich, because, I mean, there's so many things going on with United that, that we've got to talk about, and this could literally be a seven-hour saga, but we want yeah, to get into sort of the, the big headlines at the moment. I mean, we'll kind of start with, it's a bit generic, but overall, United fans' feelings at the moment, because if you think of United in numbers at the moment, I mean... You're six in the league. You are only five points off the top four, seven off top spot with City. The ownership saga seems to have been running for 5,000 years. Probably not, but, you know, it looks like coming to a, to a head, so to speak. Champions League, it would be easy just to say you're bottom, but it's only actually one point off a second or a qualifying spot there as well. That's still in the balance. Sergio Ratcliffe, rumoured to buy in 25%. If we're listening, reading all the headlines, listen to everything we're told. There's a lot of scrutiny on United, as I'm sure you know, front and back page right now. Being honest, from a United fan's perspective, with everything that's going on sort of on the pitch and off the pitch, what is the mood of the fan base, would you say, just now? I think if you're if you're trying to describe the, the mood of the fan base at the moment, you have to go back to the takeover in 2005. So we've had we've had 18 years of the Glazers. And um, in contrast to Liverpool with Hicks and Gillette, which is something that came to a head very, very quickly, sort of on and off the pitch, uh, you know, so that there was an enormous momentum which, which was able to, move, you know, push the force them out that hasn't existed at United. So what you've essentially had over the last 18 years is almost death by a thousand cuts. So we, we, we all know what's happening. We can see what's happening. Just little cuts, little things that take away year after year after year and you, for a while you hold on to hope and you know Fergie kept us on some kind of um, level keel but you, you're looking at United fans 18 years down the line now and so whereas I think when we've had seasons like this previously over the last decade um, under, under different managers there's been a lot of anger and a lot of um, uh, you know really heavy calls for the managers to go and the idea that if you change the manager and appoint another one then things could change around very quickly. Yeah. That isn't that doesn't really seem to be there this year. And, and if you ask me, what are United fans feeling? Most of the United fans that I speak to that I know, my friends, it's more either resignation or apathy. Really, I think we've reached the point on the pitch, and I haven't felt like this. I mean, I've, I'm 47. I've been supporting United since the sort of early 80s. I've never felt so as disconnected to what what is actually happening on the pitch. Um, So, you know, I can see what's happening on the pitch, but as as football fans, you know, generally speaking, if you're watching your club, you have this, you have, you always have this idea of hope and how things could change and what team could do to get better and all that kind of thing. Whereas 
that doesn't that almost feels like a secondary issue at the moment um and and ultimately everything goes back to to the ownership and the kind of year on year degradation of everything that that united had become under fergie really um to the point where under the status quo no very few people actually think it would be worth sacking ten hag even though as a fan i can see that you know, he, he is failing to quite some degree with a lot of mitigations, but he is, he is failing. The, the, the football this season hasn't been anywhere near good enough. It's been pretty terrible, to be honest. But it just feels like, what's the point? You know, we could, we could sack another manager if the right, um, if the right conditions aren't in place for the next manager, then ultimately all you're doing is just, even if there's a, a short term improvement, you just, you're just replaying the cycle again and ultimately everything breaks down. Um, I think there's also an understanding that there have been an enormous number of, um, sort of external factors that have, that have impacted things yeah. that the manager can't really do a lot about. I've never known an injury crisis like we've had, uh, this season. We've basically been playing almost half a season now with what were effectively our fifth and sixth choice, um, centre backs. We've had three left backs all injured at the same time. Um, we've had our first choice right back injured since the start of the season. We've had other key players out for extended periods to a degree that I can't even remember. Um, and it, it is very difficult as a manager, I think, to mitigate that. You then throw in the uncertainty about the takeover. I think everybody, everybody at the club, I think the club is a pretty toxic place to be in general, um, not just on the football side, but on the administrative side as well. Um, you've got, um, particular player issues, um, which come at the same time. You know, you've had the thing with Anthony, which is particularly depressing after the mess that was made with Greenwood as well. Um, you've got Jaden Sancho falling out with, with Ten Hag. Um, and that on top of just everything else has been an absolute mess. And if you, and then if you look back at recruitment, the big problem for United over the last 10, years has been recruitment it's been yeah. the wrong people leading recruitment spending fortunes on the wrong players really poor players and you can see since Ten Hag's come in most of the recruitment's been driven by him I think um, and that just comes back to the, the fact that there isn't a structure an adequate structure behind him there isn't um, a, a football club that's that's um, agile enough and that has enough information and data that it's able to be to focus on the targets that it needs rather than the targets that just saying to the manager, what do you want? Um, And it's just a repeat of the process we've been through so many times before where we end up paying vast sums for players who aren't worth that money. Um, And then you throw in the the fact that, you know, the pressure at United is greater than any other Premier League club. And it's just, it's absolutely relentless. And expectations will always be greater or in, in the in the medium term, expectations are always greater than the playing staff that we have are able to to meet, so that we can have periods of, of better um, results and, and better performances. You know, last season in of itself was a, was a pretty good season if you look at, if you look purely at results and, and league finish and whatever else. Um, but it always falls down because as soon as something starts to go wrong, that pressure becomes enormous, and you just see players start to wilt and one of the most depressing things over the last 10 years is repeatedly seeing very talented particularly young players just fold mentally and it's become a place where no player gets better I I can't I can't honestly say to you there's a player in the last the United have signed in the last decade that has um, over more than a few months actually become a better player at United And that's, that's, that's pretty, pretty difficult. You know, you're kind of seeing the same in, in microcosm. You're kind of seeing the process with um, both Garnacho and Hoyland at the moment, both supremely confident footballers and, 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 and people and confident in their own ability. And they've come to United and you can immediately see almost that, that fire starting to go out in their eyes a bit. And it's just watching the same, that same, um, kind of the, the, just the sucking away of their love for football and their and their 
enjoyment of playing. Um, and as a, as a fan, that's really, really hard to watch. And so I think we have got to a point where a lot of people have almost, they're not disengaged from the football. They still want United to win. They, you know, people still yeah. go to games, but, but the actual results have almost become less important. Um, and there's just this, uh, I've got a friend who was at the, the derby, the three nil. As, as it often is with us against City, it's not even a, not even a competition really. They just, just walk through us. Um, and he just said, you know, it was the weirdest atmosphere you'd ever seen at a game like that because everyone around, everyone around him was just resigned. Everyone was saying, this is just what we are. You know, there wasn't a lot of anger. There wasn't, there wasn't, you know, a lot of frustration or defiance. It was just like, this is what we are. Um, so, you know, what can you do? Um, and I think that's where kind of where, where we're at. I mean, you'll always have, you'll always have people who, who are, who remain reactive and don't feel like that. But that seems to be the general gist of, of, of a lot of United fans at the moment. Um, and so I think everyone's really focusing on what's happening off the pitch. Um, and 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 whether what looks like it's going to be happening will actually have a great deal of meaningful change, or, um, yeah. or you know, all the results just seem incidental. From my perspective, what is the point in United getting the top four again, or what is the point in United getting out of the Champions League group when consistently we we achieve those things and then we're just useless anyway? We're useless in the Champions League when we get in it. You know, we finish third and then we're useless. Um, you know, where's the, where's the incentive to, you know, you can see even, even some clubs when they're having really bad seasons or we've seen Liverpool in the past or, or Chelsea in recent years, even when their, their league form's terrible, they still have, they still have a run of some sorts in, in Europe. Yeah. That, that kind of shows you some, some fight, but United have just been perpetually terrible in the Champions League. And the first half decent team we play, we get knocked out by. And so it almost doesn't really matter whether we qualify this year or not. I don't feel really strongly about it. I'd rather we finish bottom than finish third. So I don't want to end up back in the Europa League again. Um, and it's, and it's just the combination of all these things. And I'm, I, you know, I, this is purely me speaking, but I'm kind of quite, um, kind of quite disillusioned about kind of top level football at the moment. Anyway, you know, we had the Super League thing, which was, you know, really depressing. It just, it just showed that those clubs weren't weren't the, the club the thinking of those clubs wasn't in line with their fan bases and that's mm. that's that's a big thing you know um and I, I i'm struggling very badly with var i think it's terrible i think it's just completely yeah ruining the game um I, I personally for me the whole mason Greenwood thing was deeply depressing um and uh, I was listening to one of the United podcasts the other day, and there it was. They were they were uh, interviewing fans at the Fulham game, and one of the guys said, "I still love United, the institution, and the the, the institution and its history, but I really hate the club now." Right. And I think I feel I feel the same. I feel the same. You know, you still you still love the the. the the, the teams that you grew up on, you love the, the, the history that's gone. You love what the club always, you know, stood for as, as an institution rather than as, as a football club. That's, uh, you know, sort of the, the, the current incarnation of the football club. Um, I, I just, I really don't like it. I hate it. Um, and there, there's lots of things to, to do with that as well. So for example, we, we, we saw, I don't know if you remember a few weeks ago, the Champions League game at home to Galatasaray. There ended up being about ten thousand Galatasaray fans seated all around the stadium in the home the home areas. What United have been doing, and I applied for tickets for two of the games myself. For whatever reason, for the first time in forever, we have you have to go into a ballot to apply for the tickets, and then there's a ballot, and you can get the tickets. So don't get the tickets. So we didn't get the tickets. Read the match, um, and they didn't. The club didn't email us to tell us. So we didn't know we'd not got the tickets. So when eventually we thought, well, we better look and see if we've got, got the tickets, discovered we hadn't got the tickets. They were then selling the same tickets on, online, for, on general sale with, um, from, for between 85 and 175 pounds with a, with a museum entry thrown in to, just to anybody. So, 
you can see how, first of all, where is where is the loyalty to your own fan base if you, you have people applying for tickets? They're not successful. But when tickets are returned, you just then sell them to somebody else and don't yeah. give them the opportunity. And it's just these, it's these, it's these, this, this drip drip of things that the club does that just make you dislike it more and more and more as a as an entity now. Um, and so we, you know, we kind of are in this place where. Um, where you know we still love United the institution, but I, I don't. I think there are many people who don't like the club, um, and I think there are many people working at United who don't like the club they work for either. Um, if what we've and that this all contributes to why everything's such a mess because because this is the this is just the culmination of of eighteen years of um, the, the way the club's been run, the way the club's behaved under under the Glazers and. the I think the worst part of it is that United fans have been protesting since since really since the beginning. Um, but the Glazers don't care. They don't care. They don't speak. They don't respond. They don't do anything. Um, and so there's also just, this, I think there's a, a, a feeling of hopelessness as well. Or there has been a feeling of hopelessness because ultimately what what can you do? And I think that's what led to the, to the United-Liverpool game being called off a couple of years ago where the... Yeah. You know, because they, you know, a lot of people, a lot of fans have got to the point of what else can we do? What else can we do to actually make a statement, to make somebody listen, or to make them listen? And the only thing they could think of was, well, let's cost them a load of money, which ultimately is the thing that well, I, I think it's the only thing they care about. Um, and the other thing is just that it feels to me that the worst, and I think maybe it's 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 playing out with with the sale and everything as well. The worst things have got the more the Glazers are worried about the value of their investment going forward. Yeah. Um, and they have wasted so much money that United got to the point where we don't really have a lot of money. Um, you know, most of the transfer spend in the summer was done on credit because we don't, we, we just wasted so much money. We've got so many fees going forward that we, for past years that we, we've got, still got to pay. Um, and I think they got to the point where they, they rinsed it into the ground. And there wasn't much left, and that's why we've been forced into this. They've been forced into this process of at least selling a portion of the club, and I think yeah. it shows the weakness of their hand. That whilst they're getting a lot of money for that portion of the club, they're basically giving up all power over the football side of the of the club, yeah. um, which I think is really pertinent. And I, there are a lot of people that wanted Qatar to buy United, and I understand why. Um, it wasn't for me. Um, I think that I think that effective state ownership football club shouldn't be allowed. I think it's, um, you know, I, the the idea of United being used to sports wash a, you know, a, a regime isn't isn't particularly um, well. In fact, I, I don't know whether I could have sort of carried on the same sense as a fan if that happened. So, from my perspective, I'm pleased that that it's Radcliffe who's getting um, who's getting a foot in the door. Um, and I think everyone's really looking to that and what might change when that happens rather than watching United at Fulham or whatever else and thinking that's that's the most important thing. Um, so I think generally it's a really, really long answer to your question. But I think generally the point is the point is that there there's we've got to the point where there's a significant detachment between the fans and the club and and what happens on the pitch is really almost of secondary importance. Um yeah, and it's not ruining. You know, we're not. You're not a football fan. You watch a football team the week, at the weekend, and even makes sort of ruins your weekend, doesn't it, or whatever your week. That that stopped for me a couple of years ago. I don't really feel that anymore. You know, I I watch my football team. I'm in the moment. I want them to win. In the moment, I'm happy if they've won. But if they, and if they lose, I just go and you know go and do something else. And it doesn't feel like that. You don't have that. That is ruining my weekend anymore. It's just this thing that I've done. In in a, you know at times the idea of watching United play is has made me angry just just having to think about watching them which is nuts I mean wow. it's, yeah. it's nuts and I I'm, I don't know I don't know if a lot of people feel like that I know a couple of others that I do as well but um, it's not it's not the football it's the the football essentially um, reminding you of the 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 enormous issues there are at the club it's almost just the representation of and you, they're so they're so complex and so bad that you don't want to think about them all the time and the football just reminds you 
particularly when they're United are bad, it just reminds you of, the, of all the things that are, that are wrong and all the things that have, that have happened. Um, so yeah, the long, the long, the, the long answer is I think people are um, that they've got some hope that that Radcliffe will change things, but in terms of the football, I think he's pretty resigned and a bit apathetic, to be honest. Wow. I mean, that, I can't lie, that is the most distinct answer. And almost, in a way, I suppose, it, it's sad to obviously think as football fans because the one thing you always want to have is hope, no matter what's going on, but to have that sort of sense of, of resignation. I mean, it, it was the thing I wanted to, to sort of take you back to being honest, Rich, because, again, this is from the outside, so you can correct us if we're wrong. It almost seemed at the end of the season, not that everything had been sorted, that would be wrong to say, but... Ten Hag had got Champions League. He'd won the Carabao. You know, Rashford, for instance, had a brilliant season. It did seem that there were sort of those shoots of hope and almost the the premise that if we can get this transfer window, and we'll come on to that because obviously money's been spent, if we could get that transfer window right, that, you know, it could really take us on. Has it just been the, the reality against that expectation or was that expectation never really there from United fans? I think United fans are very guarded now in terms of expectation. You know, we've seen these kind of semi shooter recovery so many times and then they, they always, always fall apart. Um, but I mean, there, there was a lot, a lot to be positive about on the pitch last season. I mean, performances weren't great, but they, they had enough, you know, to, to, to essentially achieve something. You know, we're in it to win trophies, aren't we? Whatever it is. And, um, the goal, I think, at the start of the season, probably the idea that we finished in the top four seemed quite um, quite a distant one where we were. So to actually achieve that as well and get to another cup final was essentially a, a pretty decent season. I think we then saw, I think we then saw the limitations of United's approach to to, to player signings in the summer, um, and you can see that it was very heavily driven again by by Ten Hag. I think. Um, there's never enough turnover of players. Um, so if you bear in mind that ev- literally everything that happens has to be approved by Joel Glazer. So every signing has to be justified to him and he'll say yes or no. United work very slowly. Um, and they're, they're, they also, where, where they can, would prefer to keep a player because it's cheaper. Then sell them and buy a new one. Um, that's just how the, how they are in the United. So you never get the the complete clearing of the decks and refresh refreshment that you need. Um, at, you know, at a club the size of United. Um, but I think whilst we didn't understand maybe some of the signings, we were hopeful at least that we'd sort of carry on the momentum we had from the previous season. Um, but I think the, the thing, the thing with United, and we talked about that pressure that that's always on at United, mm-hmm. uh, is that as soon as things look start, it, particularly starting badly, is a big one. I mean, I, ten, I can't overestimate how what an incredible job Ten Hag did last season, overcoming that those first two matches, the the defeat yeah, against Brighton. Right yeah, you know, that 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 was that was a team if you. If you extended that on throughout the season, that's a team that would finish bottom of the Premier League. I mean, it's that bad. Um, to have moved, you know, to have moved Ronaldo on and turned that season around like that and to finish where we were, you know, is way beyond what we could have imagined. I think it happened this season and it could have, it could have been rectified, but then you had so many other things going wrong at the same time as well. You know, you, we came into the season with, a, with loads of injuries. Um, we had there was the the, um, the the whole green thing was hanging over the club as well, um, and there there were just there were just so many and, and obviously the takeover you know people were hoping it would happen something would happen in the summer and it didn't happen, so you had an awful lot of staff thinking, am I going to have a job in you know two months three months so I can understand from Ten Hag's perspective if this happens what does it mean for me how you know what do I do from here and all his staff as well. Um, and I think it just unsettles players as well because, you know, as footballers, they like, I guess they like to have an idea of what the project, the word, the project in inverted commas is going to be like going forward. And if there's total uncertainty over that, then 
you know you don't have that you don't have that certainty um of where everything's going and that just makes you feel more unsettled in your place in the team doesn't it um and i think the other thing the other thing was and it's something that the one thing i've worried about ten hag i don't i don't worry about him tactically um i don't worry about him being able to convey his ideas but he hasn't got that if you if you look at the most successful managers say at the moment, if you look at Klopp or if you look at Guardiola or even Arteta, what he's doing now, they've got, they've, they've got very strong personalities. They're very driven and they're, yeah. they're managers who I think players want to win for. Um, they want to win for, and there's an emotional connection there that, that I think can provide a little bit of extra, um, you know, it, it could be different things. I mean, obviously I don't think Fergie had that emotional um, thing, but but once he achieved a certain amount, he he was then this great manager that players wanted to impress. I think, um, and for me, Ten Hag just doesn't doesn't have that thing. You know, one of the things this season is that United have been incredibly unfortunate with VAR decisions this season. Um, we had the 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 one the penalty that Wolf should have got on the first day of the season. The big thing, a huge thing was made, and it was a penalty. The huge thing, a huge thing was made about that. And I think United have been paying for that since because, um, Ten Hag didn't really, he just, he just kind of let it all pass. And then, uh, it was against, against Spurs, uh, about three weeks later, they're essentially nil nil. United, um, Garnacho has a shot. Romero basically goalie sees it. Um, VR doesn't even look at it, doesn't even get the ref to look at it. Not a penalty. It's you know absolutely ridiculous. If you're a manager, that's the perfect opportunity for you to kind of create a an us be them yeah. siege mentality. Siege yeah. mentality, exactly. That's that's what the best managers will do. They'll they'll use those incidents to fire up their players about injustice or whatever else. And 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 then sim, a sim, similar things happened two or three weeks in a row, and he says nothing. He says absolutely nothing. If I was if I was a United player and these things were happening, I'd be thinking, why isn't he? sticking up for us. Why isn't, you know, and I, I just think that's, that's the thing he's missing at the moment. He's missing that emotional connection with his players and just that, that extra 5% that it, that it provides that can kind of push you into, into really good, good performances or, or top performances mm-hmm. and actually make you a, a really competitive team. Whereas now United look how, how you feel when you hear Ten Hag speak, which is quite flat. They're just flat, really. Wow. Um, and you know, of all the things that that have been a problem, I think I think his personality is making it harder for him to get himself out of this out of this rut. Um, so you know, and you can, I mean, Mourinho is a perfect example of how important personality is. You know, when he was at his pomp, he it was he was this kind of Machiavellian figure, but his players loved him. His players absolutely loved him. Whereas as he, as he got older, he went to Real Madrid, and I think I think he changed to Real Madrid. He started to actually be antagonistic towards his own players as well. So he lost that he lost that love for him. His own players started to really dislike him, and you lose so much in performance in in what you can achieve if that if that's the case. Um, yeah. And Ten Hag just I don't think he's ever really had that, and I don't I think this is the point at which it would be really useful. To dig to dig United out of a bit of a hole or to push performances on a bit, whereas he doesn't have that, and so we're getting the same the same kind of interviews from him over and over again. Of, you know, we, we need to. He's always talking about the rules, the rules of a of a game, and it's essentially his tactical model. And players have to do this then and do this then. Um, yeah. And and he just sees that he sees a football match in terms of rules, and if everybody everybody performs their rule the, un, under the guidance of the rules. Then you win a win a match. If you don't, you won't. And sometimes there's a bit more to it than that. Um, yeah. And so I just think I think on the pitch the whole the whole club is stuck stuck in a rut, and that's just exacerbated by what's happened off the pitch and the kind of ongoing um, sort of issues with 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 injuries and with player unavailability for whatever reason. Um, and it's just a really I think it's just a really unhappy place at the moment. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. 
From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, it, it, it makes sense. And I did, because I mean, you've spoken at length there on Ten Hag. So the one thing I did want to sort of ask, Rich, because you kind of alluded to it. Again, this is from the outside, that after a good season, great kick on. and. Very much, it felt like he was handed the keys to the kingdom, as in Onana was his keeper. He got to move out De Gea, Hodgland, you know that the uh, the forward Mason Mount, all all for big money, as you you know, as a, a United fan. Is it? There was a feeling again, as you're looking from the outside, that you can't say he's not had for all the other things that are going on. There is the circus above and all that, mm-hmm. no doubts. But the one thing he has had is money, and they're his players by all sentiment. Is there a sort of feeling on United fans that, as you kind of alluded to, because of Mourinho, Van Gaal, everything we've been here before, rather Mm. than just sacking the manager, it'll just feel like we're doing again, just reliving the history. Or is there a bit of United fans that think, no, hold on, you're having your players, you should be getting a tune out of these, so to speak. Or does injuries come in as well? How do you see it? I think I think it's it's a combination of all the things we we talked about, but the overriding theme of the last ten years at United in terms of recruitment is ha- not having the talent in place to actually, um, you know, you you know how how important Michael Edwards was to to recruiting yeah. the Liverpool under under Klopp. I don't think if you just said to Klopp, go away and you know tell us what players you want, we'll go and get them, and that's it. I don't think you've had the same success as as um as those two as a as a pairing in terms of you know player um player identification and, and whatever you know I, I seem to remember um, I seem to remember some I, I wasn't sure it reported or Klopp had said that, that Michael Edwards came to him with Mo Salah and Klopp wasn't sure and Broke, yeah. Edwards basically had to persuade him to sign Mo Salah and, and that's in, in a modern football club that's how it should be, you should have an effective recruitment process led by one person, and then that that person, in collaboration with with the manager, just, you know, decides on signings. And so, because it, I think in a modern football club, a manager can't be he, he can't do what what Fergie did. You know, he can't um, he can't be watching games from around the world constantly. You know, they, they've got such such wide wide roles that they, they don't have the time to actually effectively scout themselves. And so I think he's essentially been asked, you know, who would you like to sign in this position? And and he's just because he had doesn't have that global knowledge of 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 players that you don't I don't think is possible these days. He's just he's headed back towards players that he knows about. Um and and I think the problem the problem with recruiting from say Eredivisie, for example, is is yeah. simply that the level's so low um, in terms of the league that it's very difficult to know whether they can step up or not. Um, but you also then, because the, because the expertise isn't in place, you then get signings like, um, say, Casemiro, who last season was absolutely brilliant. I mean, amazing. United's best player, I think, even with Rashford, I think he was the most influential player anyway. But you start, you've paid 70 million quid for a guy who's 30. Um, yeah. And... You know, I, I think that I don't think his form this season has just been down to his age. Um, but I think it's been a factor. You know, United played 68 games or something last season. Everyone was flogged to death. Um, and, and I think particularly with the older players, it's showing. I think with Ericsson as well, you've seen Ericsson really slowed down. Um, you know, they've just lost a lot of, a lot of sharpness generally. And I think the older players are suffering more from that. Um, so you're then you're then stuck paying off. You know, I, we've got another four years of, 
you know, of that 70 million to pay off um, yeah. or to, to account for. Um, and, you know, the reality is we're, we're now hoping that one of the Saudi clubs comes and tries to buy Casemiro from us for big money in the summer because otherwise, you know, are we stuck, are we stuck with him there on huge money? Paying, paying off these huge amounts and, and you can't really use him to, to the, for what you want him to do. Um, so yeah, I think it's just been another case of, um, of, of there just not being enough or adequate player identification, um, for a manager or, and or giving in to the whims of a manager above, um, sort of actual proper, um, player recruitment. Um, and I think that's been a, that's been a, a theme over since since 2013. You know, United director of football was essentially Ed Woodward. For I mean, I, I mean, I mean, that literally, seriously, it was Ed Woodward, um, who who was a was a banker um, and didn't really even like football. He was a rugby bloke, um, and he was he was he was signing. He was just bringing players to the manager and saying, "Do you want this player? Do you want that player?" Um, and so United end up with Radamel Falcao for two years and, um, or you sign one matter when you've already got Wayne Rooney playing in the same position as him. Um, and on and on and on, on, you know, it goes on forever. Um, or you get, you get Ten Hag signing Marcus Rocco because he thought he was quite good at the World Cup. You know, Marcus Rocco might have been quite good at the World Cup, but he was an absolute lunatic and not exceptionally good at football. Uh, so, you know, it's, it, there's just this this um, total lack of um, sort of modern um, recruitment ethos and expertise, and I think if there's one one thing people are hoping for from um, sort of the Ratcliffe takeover of the football side, it's is that Manchester United should be recruiting the best in class in every role in the in the club, and it just seems in, absolutely insane to me that, that over the last decade. They haven't done that for the one single most important role in the club beyond the manager. Um, so I think that's, you know, that's, that's the thing we hope changes. We hope we get that, that, that Ratcliffe actually appoints adequate, you know, top end people in key positions. Um, that they're actually, actually able to, um, sort of, you know, I think I think a modern day direction of football should almost almost be the guide of the direction of the club, shouldn't they? You know, they, right, they yeah, and, and everything has to happen. Whereas United's recruitment has often seemed like, oh, we need a right winger who he's a right winger, we'll, we'll, we'll buy him. There's not been any overarching sort of philosophy of, as to what a right winger should look like in in this team and how all these players will fit together. So what so what you essentially get is what we've got this season, which is a team that that lacks coherence. In any in any meaningful sense, but can still win a few games because he's got some talented players who can score a goal out of nothing. United yeah. don't score many team goals; they just score goals where somebody does something really good. Um, and and so that's that's kind of you know that's why we're where we are. So yeah, Ten Hag has had a lot of money, and I agree that he spent a lot of it quite badly in, on the players that he's chosen. But the reality is he shouldn't have been expected to to, to take all that weight and actually end up being asked to pick players that he wanted to sign because the club didn't have a strong enough vision of, as to what they wanted. Mm. Um, like one of these things this season is he said, you know, we're not playing the way that we played at Ajax because they don't have the players to do that. And it just feels like every manager that comes in is just having to tailor what they do around the players they've got that they're yeah. given rather than ever being able to um, actually imprint their own vision of what the team will look like as they go on and, and Ten Hag said that he said we're not playing the same way because I don't have the players to play that way so we're playing a different way because I've got some fast forwards and and I've got Bruno Fernandes and, and whatever else so um, yeah, that's, and that just shows you the kind of the, the, the lack of um, overall direction and structure that the, that the club has um, if anything that's the thing that needs essentially burning to the ground and starting again and I think even if you even if you brought in the right football director now, you know, it's going to take them two or three years to really start to get enough players in and out and, and shape shape a side that actually looks like a football team rather than just a load of blokes that have been chucked on a football pitch. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely not going to be an overnight fix. It very much feels like almost turning a cruise liner around, so to speak. And I mean, you, you've talked there and it makes sense that what United fans want to see, and it's a big hope, isn't it, Radcliffe, that as the news suggests, or we're led to believe that 25% share, but essentially taking full control of football operations. And then, as you'll have seen the, the rumours, Rachel mentioned of a sporting director, director of football, all those types of things coming in place, i.e. alleviating what, what United fans see as the, the problem that way. I mean, the, it sounds strange, but the one personality I really wanted to ask you about, and you'll know he talks about United at length, Gary Neville, who's quite vocal on this about the Glazers, the situations. And you, you know with Gary Neville, he, do, he does the United games, he talks passionately. Some would say almost loses control of it at times, but very yeah. vocal about the Glazers especially. How do United fans kind of view that? Because there's a, naturally, I get his points to an extent, I know it backs up what you're saying, but I'm sure you're aware it almost can become a figure of fun in the way he does it and easy to go back to the Glazers. But how do United fans themselves actually view sort of those comments, the way he talks about it? Is it like, we're totally with you, Gary, or probably just stop type of thing? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's probably more the latter. Um, I actually think Gary Neville's a very, very astute football analyst in a general sense. I think he's largely been very good on, on Sky Sports since he, since he moved into that. On United, he's absolutely terrible. Um, and I don't know, I don't know if that is because there's that emotional link the where there, there isn't with, with other clubs. I don't know. I think there's a large degree of, and you get this, maybe it's the same at other clubs as well, but you get pundits essentially filtering their analysis because they know people involved. Yeah. Um, uh, or, um, or them not wanting, there's a narrative on, say on, 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 on Sky Sports that they're, they're showing they want a simple narrative. They don't want a complex narrative. Um, you know, you want, you want a narrative you can shout in two minutes, not, um, not give us this complex answer that people can't be bothered to sit and listen to. One of the things with, with Gary Neville is he's always, um, I think been generally quite vehemently against sacking managers, tends to blame players, always blame the players. Um, and, and it's really only been the last 18 months that he's actually been willing to really jump in on the Glazers. I think prior to that, he wasn't willing. It was just, oh, well, the Glazers have given this manager a lot of money. They've bought these players. Harry Maguire cost £80 million. He should be producing £80 million performances. Um, and it's been that it's been that kind of simplistic thing. I often think don't listen to don't listen to pundits when they're analysing their own club, because I think they're generally quite compromised when they do that. They know people at the yeah. club. Um, Gary Neville will never criticise English footballers, um, or very rarely criticise English footballers because he knows a lot of them and because he's worked with a lot of them. Um, and so, you, you know. You, it's, it's more instructive, and again, I'm not even Roy Keane's biggest fan as a, as a as a pundit. I think he's he's playing a role, to be honest, at the moment, you know, these days. But but he he's the one United pundit who clearly doesn't care what anybody else thinks. He doesn't he doesn't care about reputations or anything else. He just say he will at least be honest in what he's thinking, even if what he's we don't agree with it. Um, whereas I think Gary Neville's just completely um, compromised in quite probably quite a lot of different ways. Um, in terms of what he says. And so I'd almost listen to Gary Neville less on United than anything else he says. Wow. Yeah, which you, you can't, it usually tends to be most games, doesn't it? Even if it's not United on the telly, that will yeah. throw up a comment or opinion there. I mean, for for the hopefulness, because, I mean, we, we all see that there's the fascination around the, uh, the roof at Old Trafford, everything happening, you know, the on and off the pitch. January coming up, because that's obviously thinking you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, the hope that Radcliffe will be entrenched in football operations, bought his share, got his people in, all those types of things. I mean, I'm going to be honest, because you painted a pretty bleak but honest picture for us, Rich, but is there hope in January that not just, because you you know how rival fans will take this, what you want more money, but is there hope actually get the things right off the pitch rather than just buy people first of all and then the rest will follow is that a fair sentiment that yeah I, mean, I, I don't I don't think anything United could do in terms of moving players on or signing players this January will make a vast difference to this the way this season plan 
uh, plays out and and also given the amount of time that it's taken to get this takeaway um or this takeover um or partial in- investment um to the point it is now i would be very surprised if everything were in place for united to seriously get motoring in january you know even if um if they announce the the 25% in the next two weeks um, Ratcliffe then has to go through Premier League, Premier League process, which can take weeks. Um, Richard Arnold's in place until the end of December um, as as CEO. We don't know what's going to happen in terms of the director of football, but presumably none of these things will actually kick in until Premier League ratified the the investment. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't in place to actually do anything substantive in January and also the, the, the reality is that United are in a really difficult spot with FFP um, which which kind of guided as well in the summer what, what we could do and why we ended up signing someone like Am- Amrabat on, on on a loan rather than buying him yeah. it would have cost 20, I don't know, 24 million I think it was but, but we couldn't do that because of FFP um, so we really are you know the I think again, this is this is why this investment's happening. The Glazers have rinsed this to the point where they know they can't rinse, they can't rinse anymore. They can't even bring it back to a state of health without someone else bringing money in. Um, and 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 as I said, I don't think I don't think what happens on the pitch is of that great importance this season. If if nothing happened in January, but the investment got got completed, um, and those sort of key position changes happened. I would be happy with that. I'd be happy with that going for. I don't care if United don't sign anybody in January, as long as those changes at least are come into place. And then you can think, well, they're in place. It's going to take a long time to actually, you know, turn things around completely. But they've now got six months. These new specialist people have got six months to really plan what they're going to do in the summer um, and how they're going to take this forward from there. So. Uh, it really is. A, I, I mean, I can't even. I can't even believe I'm sort of saying this as a football fan. But what happens on the pitch this season doesn't really feel very important, um, and it doesn't. I don't. I don't feel particularly hopeful. I've, I kind of got to the point in the last couple of years where even if United win, I wasn't getting that happiness that I had that I've had my entire life from that from that 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 win, just because everything else is still there. Everything else is still there. It's just a moment amongst a, a, a big old mess. Um, so individual results and performances don't feel that important to me um, at the moment. I mean, they're obviously important to Ten Hag, and I think if if things were to deteriorate further, he'd probably be in danger of losing his job. But as things are at the moment, I can't really see it. I can't see the Glazers aren't in any position to sack him. Um, if if Radcliffe comes in, I can't. I think he, he's supposed to be a fan of Ten Hags. I can't see him sacking him straight away. I'd imagine he'd give him as long as he could to to try and um level things off. So um in the absence of any big changes on the pitch, which I wouldn't I wouldn't expect, you know, we're all just looking at what's happening off it and almost looking forward to maybe a, a new new start next next summer. Um so, and again, I won't, I won't even believe that's going to happen until, until everything is literally complete, completed and the new people are in position because we've been, we've been following this, this takeover stroke investment for 18 months or something. Um, and you repeat, we repeatedly had stories about how things were nearing the end of the process over and over again. This, this party are winning, this party are winning. And it's, it's never, never proved to be accurate. Um, so it is literally a case of, I'll believe it when I see it. And then I'll start to have, I'll start to have some hope after that. Wow! I mean, we we always only finish the the pod with with one question, and I'll be honest, it, this is so distinct because even with teams when we we talk to fans that are in relegation, you know, they've had that. We can still get seventeenth. We could still get a trophy. You know, we define success, but yeah. obviously that you know, and you've give, thank you for the insights, given us such like a a feeling of the ambivalence toward it towards it all. I mean, it might not even be obviously anything related to on the pitch now. It might surprise people, but for the final question, which we always ask, what could be considered success now for the rest of the season for United? Do, does it necessarily involve anything on the pitch or is it more 
what's happening or is it a qualification? What would you put it down to? I think if if United win a trophy, that's brilliant. We, you know, that's why we're in it. Um, I grew up on United not being particularly good, but winning an FA Cup or, you know, yeah. you know and those cup runs and, and things like that. So you could never, ever turn your nose up at a trophy. That's that's why. Mm-hmm. I, could, I, could, I couldn't really understand start of the season why um, Postacoglu had put out such a weak team in the, in the League Cup. You know, you come yeah. in Spurs get knocked out. And I was just thinking, okay, that's great. You know, I know you want, you want to get in the Champions League a bit, but what, what are you here for if you aren't here to, to try and win trophies, yeah. win trophies, you know? Um, so we're United to win a trophy, that's great. Don't, at this point, really care whether we get in Champions League or not. Um, I don't, I, I really don't think there's anything that can realistically happen on the pitch that would, um, having watched the team enough this season I, I think it's a bad football team um, and I don't think there's anything I mean I think if, if United got in the top four it would be absolutely staggering um, I, I guess from a financial perspective going forward that would probably be a benefit to 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 Ratcliffe and I suppose so right. that, I guess that would be a, a success of, a success of sorts um, but I think absolutely everything focused is going to focus on what happens off the pitch and changes of, of, of staff off the pitch and, and, and changes of, of attitude and really kind of starting again in the way that Liverpool did when, you know, under Klopp and Michael Edwards, it's really, you know, you looking back at whatever it was, 20 odd years of, of kind of almost making the same mistakes as United, but, but with, with United on a kind of different level, really that, that, that start again, that year dot and then building something new, that can and football fans football fans are are usually happy if they can see things improving. And I think that's Great. that's the thing. United don't there isn't an expectation at the start of the season anymore for United to go out and win the league. Because we're not gonna they just want we just want as fans it to be a little bit better than last season. And if you can see that you'll go with it. You have got the patience, haven't you, because you can see something building. And that's what we had with with Fergie. You know, I can I, I can still remember there's just the feeling of Something was happening, and United incrementally improved year on year to the point where they they won the title and going going on from there. And I think that's you know from from my perspective, I'd like to see United play a bit better, a bit better this season because at the moment we look like a team that's never met. Um, and and I'm yeah, it's just a case of you know win as games many games as we can until the summer, and then hopefully if this is if the, if this investment's happened and the chain personal changes have happened, then hopefully next summer will be a bit different, and, and we can start to move forward again. I guess if, if anything, wow. it feels like it feels like we're stuck in quicksand. We're just stuck in quicksand, and we've been we've been in it for for the last decade. And um, if someone if someone pulled our feet out of the quicksand, I think that would be that would be the biggest success we could have. Wow. Well, ladies and gents, we, we do ask for our fans' feelings. We like to bust the miss on this pod. And I think we got it pretty raw and uncut today from Rich. So all it really leaves me to say is, Rich, hopefully it felt somewhat cathartic, possibly, or got something from it. But thank yeah. you for your, your insight and your honesty. Definitely. That's all right. It's a pleasure. Brilliant. And ladies and gents, that was another EPL Index Special. Sports Social Podcast Network.